listening to the Pasco Podcast with Mike Carvalho. Welcome to Season 3 of Pasco Podcast, a series about leadership and public service. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the nearly 600,000 people of Pasco County, as represented by the Board of County Commissioners. It's through their trust and empowerment of our workforce and leadership team that we're able to bring you this podcast. This podcast is designed to help public servants build leadership skills and leverage them for success by sharing the experiences of our peers. Hi, I'm Mike Carballa, and welcome to our 33rd episode of Pasco Podcast. Can you imagine what your life would be like without being able to get clean water from your tap, cool off in a pool, or spend the day on a lake or a river? It's National Water Quality Month, and today we're shining a spotlight on those who work to protect this precious resource, ensuring our water is safe and clean. So please join me in welcoming two dedicated utilities team members, Director David Allen and Water Operations Supervisor Jim Kaplan. Gentlemen, welcome. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, well, glad to have you. It's always exciting being part of the water quality community myself personally and professionally. It's it's always good to, you know, uh, remind folks how important it is to have clean water. So why don't we just start just by telling us a little bit about yourselves and and how you came to work here at Pasco County. Jim, we'll start with you because I know where I know how David got here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, good afternoon and thank you for having me. Um, I started my career in the city of Dade City in the early 90s. Um, I obtained my uh, certification, my basic water treatment plant certification there, which opened up a lot of doors for me here at the county. So I eventually applied and got in with Pasco County Water Operations and 28 plus years later, I'm still here pushing here he water. And, and, and helping and Mr. Know-it-all utility engineering directors when they first come here, <laughs> uh, showing them the ropes. So you're, you're always, always good. David? So, yeah, I, I had a little uh, bit more of a, a longer path to get here to Pasco. Mm-hmm. I started my career out in Southern California in a water and electric utility, municipal utility. Um, after I met my wife and we had kids, we decided to move back to Colorado where I grew up and raise our kids there. And then um, now that my kids are grown, my wife really wanted to get back to the ocean and closer to the coast. And so we decided that we would um, give Florida a try. And so last year we moved out here to to Florida and started with Pasco. Yeah, and, and you've done a phenomenal job, David. And folks, folks may not know, and when we originally hired David, I, I was the assistant county administrator at the right. time and brought David on and, and literally... Hey, uh, day one onto the job. By the way, you're on your own. Uh, I'm I'm moving moving right. to a different uh, do it to a different job, and right. so you've you've really taken the bull by the horns here, and and have done a phenomenal job with the utilities department. Um, but you know, you both obviously have had long and storied careers as as water quality professionals. Uh, I think it'd be good for for our audience to kind of understand. Hey, what is what's so significant about uh, water quality awareness month, and, and why should we care about water quality? Right. Um, well, I can I can say in my viewpoint, uh, water conservation and water quality tend to run hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And with the great influx of people moving into the state of Florida, we, we need to be very careful on how we manage this resource because if we don't manage it properly, we could run short of that supply. And um, eventually, we may even have to look for more alternate water sources, mm-hmm. including desal 
mm-hmm. desalinization plants. Yeah, we, we've got a lot of water. It's it's cheap yeah. water, right? Yes. I and mean, that, that's really what it what it comes down to. Yeah. David, I mean, golly, coming from the west side, I know that they, you know, water supply issues are, right. on the west coast are, are are paramount. But but talk to us a little bit about your experience and why we should be advocates for quality and conservation. Yeah, I, I, th- I think what's interesting about water when you we just kind of take a look at it from a global literally global perspective, we have like over 70% of the planet is covered with water. Mm-hmm. And and of that, um, I think it's like over 96% is in the oceans and, and, and is salt water. So that doesn't leave very much water for the rest of us. And I think that the, the amount of fresh water on the planet is less than 1% of that total. Mm-hmm. And so when you start thinking about it from that perspective, um, it's not only important for us uh, in terms of water quality from a consumption standpoint, which we provide that service. But I think also, as you mentioned in your introduction, for leisure, um, you know, we have the coasts. Uh, we, we've been having red tide um, issues more frequently, which then pre- pre- prevents people from being able to recreate in water bodies. Um, lakes and rivers are, are getting uh, more and more algae mm-hmm. issues, which mm-hmm. again prevents folks from enjoying those. And then just looking at our region as a whole with the reliance on the coast we have a whole economy that's based on people coming in spending money and it's supported supported by the water so water is is really critical for just about everything that we do when you when you right. look at it. Yeah, I mean, you, you you talk about that, right? It's critical for life, and then our our, our economy and our, our leisure. It's it's across the board. What right. what would we what would we do without it? You know, we take it for granted. Got a bunch of it right yep. here in this cup, right here. You know, and it's uh, it's it's certainly a resource that that we have to. We got to take care of it. Fantastic. Um, talk to us a little bit about what utilities, Pasco County Utilities is doing to raise awareness about water quality. So one, one of the key things that we do is we have a, a, a strong outreach and, and communication program. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a lot of that, quite frankly, is really around our conservation efforts just because of the limited resource. But I think that as you start looking at other areas beyond just utilities as a whole, county as a whole, we have a whole nother department of public works that manages our stormwater. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just very um, conscious and, and aware that we need to watch, you know, what, what we discharge out on the ground and things like that, because those all can potentially pollute our waterways and mm-hmm. things like that. And so we have just various types of outreach programs, uh, various kind of c- communication um, flyers that we send out in our bill, and then also um, just direct contact with our customers. Jim, anything you'd like to add? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, we've um, we've had, had a population explosion mm-hmm. here, so it's, it's, it's a hard task to try to educate our citizens and our uh, customers on anything up and coming with our water system. And um, we're an active member of the Florida section, American Water Works, Florida section of American Water Works Association. And we are, um, we're a member of the six member governments with Tampa Bay Water. And we get a lot of uh, educational tools from them that we try to utilize to educate ourselves and our customers. And we, um, we also use the county website. We mm-hmm. post any rule changes that are coming from federal and state agencies. And uh, one that comes to mind is the um, the lead and copper rule revision, where utilities have to um, identify all service line connections in any residential and commercial service line. So, and we'll post that and let our customers know how we're um how we're complying with that rule gotcha so. gotcha you guys issue don't don't we issue every year kind of a state of the water quality 
within the results of the testing and things that you guys yes, do? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. so that we, goes out to the customers. Uh, consumer confidence report. Right. Yeah, 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 very, very good. Talk to us a little bit about that. I mean, Jim, what do, what do your guys do when it when it comes to testing and ensuring water quality within the distribution system? So talking about that, that tap. You know, kind of thing. Because people often, you know, it's it's hit or miss, right? right. I drink in bottled water or do I drink it out of the tap? I drink it out of the tap. Pasco's finest is, you know. So talk right. to us a little bit about the, the right. safety that you guys provide. And and that's a that's a very good point that you bring up. Um, we are heavily regulated by the Florida Department of Environmental mm -hmm. Protection. I believe more so than bottled water companies who are the, the Food and Drug Administration. So we're always subject to stringent inspections and they hold us to a very high standard to make sure our water is the best quality that we can make it. Mm -hmm. um, our water quality technicians are out every day doing chlorine residual checks, um, flushing low flow dead end areas, um, and they continuously are pulling water quality samples for um, at, for different constituents mm -hmm. and they take it to our environmental lab <clears throat> and um, typically that those are the results that we post on our consumer confidence reports. Gotcha. So. And our lab doesn't just test, uh, I mean, that that's open to all citizens, right? They could test their well water if they wanted right. to and, and see those types of things. So yes. you don't just have to be on the county system to you right. know ensure you've got you've got clean water. David, anything you want to add, just kind of stuff that happens behind the scenes there, you know, like what Jim was talking about? Yeah. And, and, and you know, the thing that Jim talked about, he, he mentioned the flushing program. That's mm -hmm. a really huge program. And, and, uh, you know, with, with the growth that we're having here in Pasco County, one of the challenges that we have is we oversize the pipelines mm -hmm. to, to accommodate future growth and development. And that that has a tendency to uh, potentially degrade the water. And so what we do is we have a flushing program essentially to minimize the age of the water and, and really keep it fresh. And so, as Jim mentioned, we have a team of staff that are out continuously monitoring the system and, and identifying where to flush. Um, in addition to that, we also have several locations where we've installed automatic flushers that will um, basically open up, discharge out of a fire hydrant on a timer. And, and it's interesting, again, because the public outreach piece yeah. is, is we get calls a lot from. from why, are like, yeah, why are you wasting water? Why are you wasting water? And really, it's so that we can maintain our regulatory requirements and make sure the water is, is safe and healthy. for Yeah. Us. And, you know, and, and to your point, people don't realize necessarily that, you know, we those those pipes are made bigger. Right. So if there's bigger, they, they hold more water. And if there's less use on the pipe, water sits around. Right. Yeah. So it's it's a perishable product that you right. guys have to push through pipes all throughout this county. Uh, I don't know if folks really um you know that understand that when you you have to make them bigger both to accommodate future growth to a certain degree and that's a fine art because you can't necessarily make them too big make right. them too big then it's a bigger problem so there's there's a timing issue but also even things like fire protection and things like that and that uh you know a lot of times those requirements are driving because you got to make sure right. you maintain adequate pressure and so you guys have to balance all of that to ensure that, that that those things work, I think one thing that gets very little press, and maybe if you guys want to talk about it, um, because you know we want to use, you know, David, one percent, right? Get mm -hmm. back to one percent on the planet. We want to use the the right quality of water to do the job, and so I'm talking reclaim water. And I know, you know, Jim, you're not necessarily over reclaim, but it, it falls under the utility side of the house. Talk to us a little bit about Pasco County's reclaim water system and. You know its importance in in this in this whole area because I, I think it's something to be proud of. Truthfully, oh, it's it, it's something really to be proud of, particularly in Florida where we get a lot of 
uh, precipitation. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not one of those places that you would think that we have a very um, robust reclaimed water system. And so that's, that's a system where we capture the wastewater that comes out of people's homes. We treat it um, not only for the standards that are required for treating wastewater, but then we have additional treatment so that then we could use that water for um, outdoor irrigation. Mm -hmm. And what that does is that helps to offset the need to develop drinking water supplies. So it mm -hmm. really helps us stretch those supplies out much further than we normally would. One of the unique things about Pasco, uh, Pasco County and, and our utility system is that we don't discharge our wastewater to any water bodies. And so we effectively recycle 100% of our water. Mm -hmm. uh, the bulk, the, the majority of that water goes to our customers that we have on the reclaim system to irrigate their lawns and landscaping. And then we also have a very small percentage that we use for land application, which helps to recharge the aquifers um, and, and the groundwater levels regionally, which is one of the main sources of supply for, for Florida. Yeah, so, na namely that 4G ranch project right. where we're actually rehydrating, not only are we rehydrating wetlands and, and things that are in the surficial, but you know, a good portion of that water does make its way back into the Florida, which yeah. is replenishing our water supplies. Yeah. Something to be proud of in Pasco. Right. Uh, yes. Absolutely leading the way. As I can tell you, there's plenty of other municipalities and counties that are not as far ahead as we are. And they're scrambling because the state the state laws are now kind of catching up right, on, right. on a lot of this and uh, putting a lot of those uh, local governments and their constituents in a uh, in a precarious position of having to raise raise revenues in order to to deal with that. And so um, I think it's you guys do a fantastic job with with the, the, the modest amount of uh, fees that you charge for your services. So it's fantastic. Um, what can your everyday citizen do? Are there little things? If I was talking to a kindergarten class or I was talking to what little things can we do um, as just individuals uh, to to improve or ensure good water quality out there? Jim? Um, there's many things that, um, that come to mind. Uh, one is to improve water quality. We need to be very careful how we discharge any trash or debris mm. in, in our area of, of Florida. The ground in Florida is very porous. And um, if people don't aren't responsible with uh, discharging garbage and you know fertilizers and the such, it can easily end up down in the drinking water aquifer. Um, there's a um, there's a video out that was done by the USF, and um, it is they sent divers down into mm. the aquifer into the Florida aquifer. It's called. Um, it's called Water's Journey. Okay. And it's very good uh, video if anybody was okay. interested. And they actually have divers going under Pasco through the aquifer. And you'd be amazed at all the items they found that had made their way down into the Florida no aquifer. Kidding. So it's very important not to throw debris down in grounds or big pits and grottos. You need to make sure you dispose of your dispose of waste properly. And um, but there's a, many other things you can do to in, improve water quality. If um, if you are away from home, just locally, if sure. you are away from home for any amount of time, it's good to when you come back to make sure you let your water run for a mm -hmm. few minutes inside your house to bring in good fresh water from our water mains to help get rid of any potential odors that you might get with stagnant water being in your home for many, many hours. Yeah. And um, it's been recommended that if you flush your the water heater, the ones that have the tanks, of mm -hmm. course, if you flush those annually, you can get rid of uh, any uh, 
any particulate or anything that's collected in there, which some sometimes can be a source of odors in your water. Okay. So there's a few things you can do locally and certainly. And gotcha. Certainly, so just like you guys, keep your keep your house pipes flushed, yes. right? And and yeah. and uh, be kind and don't litter, kind of kind of kind of yes. things. Yeah. David, I, I'll just keep it simple. I think I think people what they could do is just really think about what they put down the drains, what mm -hmm. they flush, and then things that they they throw outside because yeah. all of those are our pathways to our water supply and just to be cognizant that that has a potential impact further downstream or could limit our, our water quality supply yeah and you know and while we're not necessarily talking about about wastewater you know folks folks here in this podcast what what makes its way out there there's only so much that you can effectively treat for right and so you know keeping keeping things like that you know I even look at, you know, you, you look at talks even in California and stuff, finding Prozac, you know, for example, mm -hmm. you know, trace, trace elements in, in water supply and stuff like that. You know, there's little, little things that can, that, that can be done. Let's, let's only put in the water if we have to, right, right you know, right. truthfully, our, our water, wastewater systems are really designed to treat for human contamination. And by that, I just mean what we naturally you know, right. handle. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really what it's, what it's based on. Um, the rest of that stuff all becomes, becomes a challenge, but we're, Society just likes to just flush it, it, forget it, it, toss yeah, it, yeah. toss it down, whatever, whatever it might be. So, right. yeah, and it's very important to use Florida friendly fertilizers. If you're going to irrigate mm -hmm. your or, uh, fertilize your mm -hmm. yards or groves, it's important to use the right stuff so you yeah. don't impact the water. Yeah, because you get those nutrients, right? The nitrogen yes. and the phosphorus yep. that, you know, we talk about algae blooms. We talk about a lot of these things that can make its way back, yes. back into the environment. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, we saw a lot of degradation due to our, you know, to the north of us, you know, in our, in our springs and right. fortunately the, the legislature's acted in, in a way that's promoting that you know we talk about subject to sewer conversions and things like that so i think i think we're well on our way uh it's going to take time but um you know i think uh think right i mean right. that's really really what Certainly. it is so um you know this podcast we usually talk about leadership and we try to come up with some leadership topics what what does talk about utilities and, and leadership what does that look like for each of you in your varying fields david i'll start with you so being the director of utilities, I, for me, I think leadership takes on a lot, a very, a very broad definition, mm -hmm. um, just because we have leaders, um, you know, senior management in, in what we look for um, in terms of leadership from that standpoint, all the way down to the field staff and the people that are working. And, and you know, we as leaders are always talking about developing and growing our staff. Yeah. And I think that there's an opportunity for us to really also highlight and help support and develop what I call the everyday leaders. So those are the folks that are out in the field every day who may not have the title of, of a leader, may not have the authority of the leader, but they're, they have the ability to rally staff behind them and get them to move in a certain direction so that we have alignment and those types of things. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's really key for the success of what we do, because without that, you know, we have so many people that are out in the field making decisions, important decisions every day, and we have to have leaders that are on site and available in order to respond to those. And so mm -hmm. for me, I think it's really just about recognizing and, and helping to then develop um, those skills for those folks so that then they can advance and share and teach others to be able to do the same thing. Um, and leadership is kind of just a, a unique kind of thing because it's, we put a tag on it, if you will, but yeah. it's not, it's not always something that's easily trainable. I think that there's certain folks that have that capacity and capability and they're just natural in, in the sense, because I think that, 
you know, if you have the authority, it's easy to direct and give instruction. I think it's a lot harder to get people to follow you and move in a direction where you want to go in without having to order or tell them where you're going. So gotcha. That's, that's that's a challenge. Okay. Jim, you know, having having a lot of these field guys report up through through you and to you. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Right, right. And from my position, I've seen a lot of and I've worked with a lot of um senior seasoned leaders who um have the institutional knowledge and um know the history of where we've been. Yeah. And then I've also seen a great number of new young leaders coming in the door who have fresh new ideas and they're very eager to to get you know get their ideas um put in place so blending them together it's a very interesting thing sometimes <laughs> um we're very done a very good job though of of marrying the two um, theories of management and um we always move forward and get do a great job so i'm really happy to be part of that Oh, very good. Any any leaders in in this industry? You know, Jim, you've been with the county what twenty eight years, yeah. right? Any any yes. uh, leaders? I mean, either work for the county or not, or somewhere in that field uh, that that may have influenced your your leadership style, better or worse. I mean, it's well, one comes to mind. I was fortunate enough to work with a retired um, Navy commander, and he was showed us a whole different way to manage manage folks. He um, made everybody feel important. Uh, you know, he made everybody on the team feel like they were the quarterback. Um, he cared about every person, even down to the to the utility worker out in the field trying to fix a water main. Mm -hmm. And um, I really appreciated his his viewpoint, and I I always try to emulate his his my management style yeah it was really good for me oh, i think i know who you're talking about that's that's wonderful <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so so with me i think it's the same similar or i guess very similar um i've i've had some influences both good and bad mm -hmm. in my in my history i think one person that really stood out to me was very early in my career where um he really emphasized and kind of instilled with me the concept of team because mm. there are so many different roles and responsibilities that we have and that we can't be experts at all of them right and so we have to rely on people and we have to trust them that they're going to be able to do their jobs and so that was a very eye-opening experience for me um, was just to see that and 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 to understand and recognize that you can't be the expert of everything and that's why you hire the experts so that they can do their job and be the expert in those fields on the other hand i've, I've had other leaders that that probably were um a little challenging to work for but i think that even in those instances there was still positives that i took away from that mm -hmm. and and in this particular instance i i had a leader that was really a visionary um the challenge they had though was was the implementation piece hmm. so it was really difficult for them to kind of figure out the steps that we needed to get to that vision and so you know, it was it was it was kind of coming in. Here's we got this fire drill. We got to we got to fix figure out where we go. But then once we figured out where we went, the person wasn't there. And so I think that a good leader is there to help not only create the vision, but also to implement the vision and, and kind of take you on that journey to get there. And so that was the other piece that I took away from that that leader. Fantastic. So, yeah. So a lot of lessons here on on people, right, yeah. taking care of people. Um, and, and of course, you know, 
setting that vision, but also, you know, it's up to, it's up to the leader too, to try to communicate that vision and help drive it to, to mm -hmm. success. You can't just set it and forget it. Right. You know, it does require watering, uh, and nurturing right. and, and trying, trying to move it along. Um, given the nature of your work, David, uh, any unique leadership challenges that you faced over the course of your career, and and how did you how did you get through those? Yeah, I've had several yeah. um, several, <laughs> several leadership it. challenges. <laughs> I think I think I think for me one one of the probably um, most challenging things was really um, just understanding again that that people are coming from a different place, and so when when you're mm. communicating. Um, you're, you're bringing everything, you know, all your beliefs, values and everything behind that communication. And you have this intent and expectation of what that looks like. And, and it doesn't always come across that way from the receiver standpoint. Yeah. And so that's quite honestly, that's probably one of the biggest challenges is when you have, um, those types of conversations and the, the, the person receiving the message is not getting the same message. Right. Yeah. And so as a leader, you have to learn these, what do I call tools and tricks of the trade to where you have to kind of get that out of people because a lot of times folks will just kind of sit there and nod their head uh -huh. and, and say, yep, okay, okay. And then they walk away going, what the heck just happened? What was, that? What, what was they talking <laughs> yeah. about? Right. So, so then, you know, that's where things of follow up and just checking in on people and making sure that they're on the right track is, is, is very important. And so, you know, just, just managing a, a big group. Um, a large department and keeping everybody on track with the mission is, is always a challenge. Um, but, I, but I think that, that, um, as long as we all understand what that is, then, then we can all work towards that. Yeah. Fantastic. Jim stories from the front here. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. And working from, from what David says, um, we have a very diverse workforce now right. and, um, and we, you know, and it makes for a great workforce because every day is very interesting listening <laughs> to where where people grew up and, and their ideas of right. how the workforce should be. But one of the struggles that we have is that we have a workforce that is getting ready to retire. Mm. And um, it's, it's a ch challenge to um, be competitive in the workforce to try to hire licensed certified operators. And um, a solution that we found is we started our own trainee apprenticeship program, and uh, we bring in entry-level people and help them get certified and show them the path to get their um, school curriculums done and walk them all the way through to get their water licenses. So it, it's been really helpful for us. Um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this massive exodus right i mean you know the, the the water business really i mean relatively speaking in terms of water professionals is relatively relatively new uh if, if you would i mean in a lot of the engineering and and the things that really were developed in the you know after world war ii and and, and pushing on through you know the 50s and 60s and, and the technology really you know for treatment hasn't changed much uh you know i mean there's advances don't get me wrong membranes mm -hmm. and there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on there but the basic but the basic premise hasn't hasn't changed much do you find it is it is it getting harder to attract folks is it uh you know to to replace because like you say a lot of those people are are, are cycling out and um it's it's time i mean are we getting people in yes um We've, um, it, it's a very competitive market mm -hmm. and we have, um, you know, our neighbors to the south of us are, they're, they're big organizations too, and they're very hard to, hard to compete with. 
even though Pasco has come leaps and bounds mm -hmm. to be able to compete with them, but it's still um, it's a it's a career path that people don't know about very much. Mm. So we've tried to go to job fairs and we try to educate and, and uh, publicize these positions and um, to hire a regular licensed operator or wastewater operators become very difficult. Mm -hmm. So we have been able to harvest our own people and bring up operators and train them how they best fit for our organization. Mm -hmm. So uh, we recently had six trainees that have that have joined the program. Already two of them have passed their state exam and are already currently operators. And the other four are right there at their heels. They're they're very um, excited to get into this career path. That's so, fantastic, yeah. David. You know you're you're a PE by background yep. too, so you know you know there's 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 the the field and the operating crew, and then there's usually a team of of engineers and professionals that are right. also on the other side. Any any thoughts on that in terms of of recruiting, getting folks involved in the, into the career field from from your perspective on right. that? Right, and, and and that's that's a challenge across the board. I think in all utilities, not only in the operations mm -hmm. and maintenance side, but also with the engineering and other aspects uh, that we have you know staff and utilities and you know we're we're trying different different things we're trying different things to try to entice people um reaching out to uh local universities um mm -hmm. again like jim said doing job fairs and things like that but we're still not getting enough and i think that you know it's going to be a challenge moving forward um and and particularly because much like jim has um, competition from other agencies our biggest competition quite frankly, from an engineering recruitment standpoint is the private sector. Yeah. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of folks that really want to just come out, get a lot of money, work on money. But I think that one of the things that we offer is, is, is a stable work environment. And, and I think more importantly, too, is we have a sense of ownership in terms of what we do. Mm -hmm. And so for me personally, that's why I've always kind of stayed with um, kind of the, the local government, if you will, and utility systems is because it's really cool to design new stuff, but but it's always about getting that next job. Whereas right. here, you know, even after it's designed and it's, and it's accepted and we're running it, then it's really yours. And how do you continue to provide that service, not only for today, but then also for future generations to come? Yeah, yeah, I think we're of a, of a similar mindset when it when it comes to that. You know, I worked in consulting prior right. to coming to Pasco County good, nine years ago now. Wow. Time flies, but it was, it's the same thing. You work on a lot of really cool projects. Don't right. get me wrong. I've been to all over the world doing, doing jobs, but, but uh, there's a sense of, of ownership when you've got the entire site picture lined up for you. And you know that this is your system, not right. necessarily doing a project on that particular process of this particular plant, you know, that, that you can make a very good living doing that. But, but again, getting that bigger picture and knowing that you're really, you're really fulfilling something special in terms of, of that mission of serving our community to create right. a better future. It is absolutely falls, falls right in line with, with what you guys do, do every day. Right. You know, um, uh, you know, uh, former county administrator used to say when he would come and come and visit utilities. You remember what I'm talking about, right? He'd say, hey, "Clean water and sanitation have saved more lives than 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 any any anything." And and right. and he was right. He's absolutely yeah. right. I mean, you think about it as an underpinning for modern society how we cannot move on without clean water uh, and sanitation. It's it's a basic. It's a given in this country. Yet there are many parts of this world right. where that's clean water is is a struggle. 
And, uh, and so, you know, we're, we're grateful to have professionals like you guys doing that and leading, uh, leading the, leading the pack on this. Um, just one final question for you, I guess, is just, you know, we always talk about sharpening the saw and, 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 and improving ourselves. How do you guys improve both your technical and your leadership qualities? Well, I try to stay current with any new management styles mm -hmm. that I read about, um, you know, and I always try to take the best of all the leaders that I work with. Um, and I, I, I try to copy their style because okay. it's, um, you know, it always seems successful. Um, with my team, I try to use the SWOT analysis, mm -hmm. you know, strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and threats to try to make sure we're doing everything the best way we can and not get complacent with with how we're doing it. This is how we've always done it right. type deal. So it's it's the only way we can remain competitive. Okay. So. Fantastic. David. I think for me it's really about two two things really is is being open minded mm -hmm. and being flexible. Mm -hmm. And so being in a leader, uh, leadership position, leadership role, I think that there's there's different approaches and tactics to whatever the situation is. And, and I don't think that there is a necessarily one size fits all kind of approach because every situation that you're going to be faced with is a little bit different. And so, um, you know, there's there's ways to to stay current with different types of articles, things like that. Um, also different seminars and, and things like that. And I think that as you go through those um, you know, if ultimately, if you could pick up one or two things and call it yourself, get a nugget, your, your own, yeah. get a nugget mm -hmm. here and there. And then after you've done a lot, you all of a sudden you have your own nuggets and, and then it becomes your own style. And so I think for me, it's 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 really about that and, and just really meeting people where they are um, and listening to people, you know, yeah. and, and hearing them out more so than anything, because you could you get so much information just by listening um, to people and hearing what their perspectives are, hearing what their interests are hearing the things that they want to work on. And, and, and it gives you so many ideas and different things that you can help them grow and help them develop. I know. I wish there were just enough time in the day to be able to take all those good ideas that you right. hear and, and and really put those things into practice. Well, that's the, the end of the formal question, guys. The right. uh, the uh, I've, I've I've got a few uh, quick lightning round questions here. Maybe a little bit of fun. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, but uh, just uh, tell me what's uh, right off the top of your head here. So, favorite holiday, Jim. Favorite holiday would be Thanksgiving. I Thanksgiving. Think. I like yeah. it. David, same question. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween. Yes. Really? Yeah. Oh, boy. Candy. I need to come by the uh, candy. That's All right. right. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm still a kid at heart. Uh, okay. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Candy corn. <laughs> down. <laughs> oh. Oh, my gosh. I'm on an island. I'm on an island. Love candy corn. Uh, David, one place you'd like to visit that you haven't? That I haven't. Oh, gosh. I'd say Italy. Italy. Fantastic. Jim, um, Paris, Paris. Yeah. I've been to both guys. You'd love them. Get out there. Get out there. I don't know where I. I don't know where I'd like to go. Maybe Japan. I don't think I've been there. I've so. been there. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've been to Japan. Yeah. So that wasn't on my list. Yeah, but it wasn't on your list. Yeah. It's on yeah. mine. If you go to Japan, make sure you climb Mount Fuji. <laughs> I've done it. It wasn't fun. Did <laughs> you do it on a bet, Jim? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you were just young and reckless, right? Yes, uh, all right. All right. Uh, summer or winter? Um, summer, summer, summer. All here right. In Florida here in summer in Florida yeah. too. Yes, oh, not, yes. not summer up, up in Canada. Okay. No. All right. Uh, morning person or night owl. I'm a morning person. Night, night. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. All right. Uh, salty or sweet. 
Salty. 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 Um, and first job, David. First job. Uh, Paperboy. Paperboy. Yeah. I love it. That was my first job. Did you have a route with the bike and everything? Uh, yes, I did. Wow. Yep. And, and we had to collect back in those days. They didn't have automatic billing. You had to go back around and knock on people's doors and, and ask for their payment. Did you ever get stiffed? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to cut off the thing to stop delivering their paper, right? right? Nice. The, the, the harder part, though, quite frankly, was the, the money management piece. Because when, when you're you know, 14, 13, 14 years old and you have a pocket full of money, it was like, okay, I'm going to go to the ice cream store. Exactly. And, then, and then you got your bill for the the papers at the month. And it was like, ooh, I wasn't planning on getting the bill. I just thought I'd get to keep all yeah, the money. Yeah, I got to keep all the money. Oh, right. I got to pay for these yes, papers. I pay for that's these that's papers. how that works. Good yep. model. Yep. Jim, first job. Well, so out of high school, I worked in a commercial print shop and I was a- uh, Printing papers for shop. David, maybe? Yeah, <laughs> no. We were printing everything from Long Island bus schedules to um, educational stuff. And um, I was a journeyman bindery operator. And during that time, which is sort of funny, I uh, bought, my, uh, bought myself a small little um, backhoe digger. And I ended up digging graves to make my payments. So I'm probably one of the few people you can, I can say that I was a grave digger. Oh my. <laughs> well, I'm not following up any questions after that one there. We'll just put this one to rest. All right. <laughs> well, hey, uh, Jim and David, thank you both for being here today. It was great to have you. And a special thanks to our media relations team who makes this effort possible. And thank you for joining us on this episode of Pasco Podcast. I'm Mike Carballa, and we'll see you next time. information on Pasco County government, please visit mypasco.net and check us out on Facebook and Twitter.